0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting Better Acquainted replayed. In this strand of the show, I showcase episodes from the first hundred or so episodes of Getting Better Acquainted, which went out in 2011 and 2012. There's a few reasons why I'm reposting these episodes. One of the reasons is that SoundCloud has removed the early episodes from my RSS feed, so you can't get all the way back to Getting Better Acquainted number one on the feed anymore. For a while, that frustrated me. I was Kind of upset about it. Nowadays, I feel a little bit more ambivalent about that. On a personal level, the loss of those episodes from easy access on the internet, I mean, they are still there, they're all streamable and downloadable through SoundCloud, but they're not on the iTunes feed. I don't really mind those disappearing as such because when I listen back to myself, for the first whoa I mean at least a 100 but probably more episodes of getting better acquainted the person that I hear is somebody that I rarely agree with who is an incredibly different person to the person that I am now I've got a different job I've got a different sense of identity I think different things about myself I think very different things about the world and listening back to the episodes is a great reminder for me of how much I've changed but it's also a real cringe fest. It's quite difficult for me to have compassion for myself anyway. When I listen to myself when I edit each week's Getting Better Acquainted, I rarely am comfortable with everything I do or say and I get to edit that. But the thing is, when I was a different person back in 2011, I had different values and I edited differently. I took out different things and I left different things in than I would now. My understanding of myself in terms of my mental health, in terms of my understanding of my family life growing up, in terms of my understanding and relationship to gender, all of these things are really different now. Another reason that I put out these replayed episodes is because sometimes I need to fill gaps in the schedule. Like this week, I'm recording two episodes of Getting Better Acquainted, But I don't have one ready to edit in order to put out on Wednesday. So because of that, I went back to early episodes to try and pick out one to share with you. And I listened to quite a few. And this is the one that I eventually chose. I've not really done any extra editing of this episode. I'm leaving it all in. Things that make me cringe... And all, but I thought I would just give a little commentary at the beginning to give some context to some of the things that I say during the episode, and you can kind of have these pieces of information from the me now, the me in two thousand and seventeen, so six years after this was recorded, when the me now and my guest, my niece Sonia, will both be very different now, so. Don't judge her on her past self either. This is kind of a time capsule for you to listen to both of us at a certain point in our lives. But while you're doing that, here are some things to consider. So first of all, today I'm recording this after having come back from therapy. I've been going to therapy since July or something like that, maybe June. And I've been going every week on a Monday and I found that process difficult, but helpful and I like my therapist which is something I was very worried that I wouldn't and I do find her to be really good and useful and helpful in helping me to make sense of who I am and to change how I navigate myself my mental health issues the world around me the traumas from my past my therapist is being very useful in those respects in this conversation you'll hear me say I don't really like therapy as an idea um you can hear that I'm kind of getting towards the point where I'm becoming more comfortable with the idea of therapy but the me back in 2011 they're not in therapy and they're quite resistant to the idea of therapy another way that I'm different is I would have kind of pushed back against some of the ideas around gender that we kind of touch on in this episode for example I believe that boys are as complicated as girls and conversely girls are as simple as boys and in fact that it isn't really just about boys and girls there are non-binary people as well to to take into consideration when we're thinking about gender or sex and whilst in this conversation we do correctly point out that I'm quite a complicated person and maybe my dad is quite a complicated person I don't think that we are unique within men or within boys I think that we just simplify the way we think of men and boys. And that is not very helpful for men and boys. And we complicate the way that we think of girls. And that, again, is not very helpful for girls and women. Another thing that around gender that kind of comes out in this episode is I I mentioned buying flowers for my partner, Jen, which is something that I have done periodically over the years just to make that super clear, that's never been motivated by gender. That's been motivated by the fact that Jen enjoys flowers. Now, you may say that that is still in some ways motivated by gender because maybe part of the reason that she enjoys flowers is because women are allowed to enjoy flowers within society. But I do want to say, you know, in this intro section that I do like receiving flowers myself. And over the years, Jen has bought me flowers a few times. And so it isn't quite as Heteronormative, if you like, as it sounds like it is in this conversation. Also, part of this conversation touches on the idea of smiling and the potential therapeutic value of smiling. I want to make that super clear. When me and Sonia are talking about smiling in this episode, something to to notice is that we're not talking about telling other people to smile. We're talking about choosing to smile yourself and what values that might give or not give to somebody if they did try that out. And we're also talking about smiling at other people. The me now is still comfortable with those ideas. I think that smiling can help people certainly I don't find smiling to be a therapeutic thing I didn't then and I don't now but I have tried smiling to see if that will help to change my mood I found that it doesn't but I think the crucial thing is that now if I was recording that bit of the conversation I would have made it super clear how it is not helpful to tell people to smile and certainly I don't actually think it's a particularly useful thing to say to someone with mental health issues have you tried smiling it might change the way that you feel I I've had that said to me many times. It's never been helpful. Also, I talk about smoking in this episode, smoking tobacco, and I talk about it as kind of maybe a way that I kind of reclaimed some of my sense of self around about that time in my life. Now that may be true. I don't know. I don't really remember that element. That was one of the things in this conversation which kind of comes to me like who is that person? What life are they describing? I don't remember that at all. But that said, Something I want to make clear, I'm not that into the fact that I do smoke tobacco. It is a pleasurable thing but it is also a damaging thing both to myself and to the world and one day I do very much intend to give up smoking. Certainly I don't think I was being fully truthful or honest with myself when I'm talking about smoking in this episode. There's a few other places I don't think I'm being truthful or honest with myself. The last thing to comment on in this conversation is that we talk about the fact that we're recording it in Sonia's old bedroom which was at that point the upstairs room in the house that I rented from my sister and that was the the room that I had in the house the attic room now I don't live in that house anymore my niece Sonia does She now does live in that house and that attic room that we recorded this conversation in has now been converted into a guest room for my sister to come to. Uh, So that house has been through many changes since this conversation was recorded and me and my niece have both been through many changes since then. Some of them literal of like literally moving houses into different setups changing our lives, changing our jobs, changing our relationships, all sorts of things like that have happened since we recorded this conversation. And now without any more prevarication, I offer you this time capsule of a different time. Judge me however you want, but at least understand that I'm no longer quite this person. But that said... I don't mind myself too much in this conversation.
1: Keith didn't want to go. He like, you can't go to the car, boot. Sam, so you're in labour. And I was, um, I was just going, no, I'd be brilliant. I can just stop in between, you know, stop when I have a contraction. Then We can go and have a look, It'd be fun.
0: I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better, better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Sonia. (laughs) Hello, Sonia.
1: Hello.
0: So the first question that I ask people is, how do you know me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You are my buncle. Buncle. My baby uncle. My uncle, (laughs) what is younger than me. That's right. Yeah, you're my uncle. There you go, a baby one.
0: Yeah, you, just, you always used to call me, yeah, your buncle
1: I think that started when you lived in Wales. Yeah. That was the, the age when I became aware of you as a playmate, I think. Yeah. And I remember being very conscious you were younger than me, but you were my uncle, and that, that was weird. Yeah,
0: it's interesting, because <laughs> I could have felt a bit babied by the concept of being called a buncle There's certainly at times in the family <laughs> I felt like the baby of the family, within this side of the family anyway. Mm. But for some reason I didn't. I mean, I, I still find it really endearing. Mm. I, I really like it. I would call... I would call myself your bunkle. I I
1: don't think I ever meant it in a way that was meant to kind of, you know, Exactly, no, exactly. It was more of a kind of fond...
0: No, exactly, and that's how I I took it, and that's how you meant it, and I guess that's why I took it that way. (laughs) It's a funny thing, because you're a bit older than me, (laughs) so, like, I've always sort of thought of you as a really cool aunt rather than a niece. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: no, I totally understand that. My half-brother and half-sister are much younger than me, and I remember my dad once said... Referred to me as their auntie, and even he felt you know, I think when you have people in your family who are much younger than you, whatever their relation, you know, often sometimes it's a bit of a a strange situation, but it feels more like that if they're a lot older than you.
0: The uncle auntie thing that's what it signifies, doesn't it? A kind of person who's not your parents, who's older than you, who kind of looks out for you and looks and sort of teaches you stuff that your parents can't teach you, and I guess. You kind of did that for me, I think. Oh, thank you very state. much. I mean, <laughs> um,
1: are you sure I didn't? You know, yeah. I'm not sure I taught you.
0: I think you were, you know, you were you were a teenager, And mm. so you were like a cool teenager. Yeah, and
1: I guess at the time I was kind of doing cool teenager things and going out to clubs yeah exactly geeks and into
0: you took I think I remember you one time you were ill and you took but you and you were drinking (laughs) orange juice and coca cola and you told me flat coca cola and orange juice (laughs) warm juice is the way to, to, to the, the drinks to drink when you're ill really I, I found that to be the case I thought that I think you were right if you, if,
1: oh, I was drinking them separately yeah
0: they're not mixed not together mixing. not mixed together
1: <laughs> I was thinking I've never what this is no, that's no, not no. a hangover cure I remember
0: but but, but you <laughs> were Ill, Ill but you took me to the cinema anyway and oh. you took me to see Beavis and Butthead the movie <laughs> and there was a song in it by the Butthole Surfers oh, yeah, and then you gave me Electric Larry Land by the Butthole oh. Surfers which I love. I love that <laughs> album so much album. to this day. It's, yeah. it's one of my favourites. Actually, it's been a long favorite. time
1: since I've listened to it.
0: It's a great album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, oh, uh, no, that is,
1: now you describe it like that. See? I do sound pretty cool. But that's the kind of thing. That's the kind <laughs> yeah. of thing it was. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old was I then?
0: I'm not sure. I guess you probably were like 16, 17 or something. Yeah. I guess you were in this house because we're in your in old room. My room.
1: Which this is, is weird. weird. Yeah. And now
0: it's kind of my my study, kind of place where I record <laughs> all my music.
1: It's kind of cool. I'm you know I'm liking that it's it's taken on a real different form. Yeah. But it's still. I mean, I said to you when I came up here. It feels much smaller. I don't know, maybe it's just because you've got a lot of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) Or it could just be that I'm bigger, like you said. Yeah, yeah, you're you're an adult, really. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And it's, yeah, it's (laughs) weird
0: to think of ourselves as adults, but I think we both are. I mean,
1: well, I think had, when I had kids, it made me. Feel, yeah. You know, I think you feel like a grown up when you. are well, walking down the road with children, and and I think people you sort of think oh, people don't see me as that cool teenager anymore. Maybe that's a little yeah. bit of
0: it, you know. Yeah, but I still do because I, yeah. uh, yeah. I. That's I did how I. Knew. Though, yeah, obviously. And yeah, I don't think you've changed.
1: Much.
0: And I think that that maybe life means that you have to make different decisions and different choices, that's but how you're how still I spend the same my person.
1: Time has changed. Exactly.
0: Well, I'm the yeah, same. I don't it. do the same exactly. stuff. I go to work and all these things that. I never factored into mm. my life when I was a teenager, and I, and I wish I wish actually, I had no, I that did, kind I did of freedom work. actually. I did still. work
1: when I was a teenager. Well, I, I worked,
0: I work, yeah, but it was beer money, wasn't it? though, To a certain extent, mine it, was when yes. I worked when I was a teenager. Of course it
1: was, but yeah, no, I really wanted to work from the age of 14. I I sought out a job. But you when felt I was the benefits of that money. Yeah, but I think when I wanted the job, it wasn't because I wanted money, I wanted a job.
0: Job I, Um I just. Um,
1: Although I kind of was intellectually quite capable at school, it yeah. felt like I wanted to go and work, but learn a trade. Yeah, I think life got in the way, but actually I think if I'd stuck at it, I would have probably, you know, Isn't... been doing it now. You know, I could still see, you know... I, like I say, I was 14 and I just... Um, I was at school and I desperately wanted a Saturday job um, and I wanted to be a florist, so I phoned up all the florists in the Yellow Pages and... And they all said no, you're too young. And then um, one woman phoned me back and said, Yeah, I was so impressed with you on the phone, come down for an interview. That's that right, you it. were
0: a florist, weren't you? Yeah, you quite a, quite for four a years. Few years. And yeah. it was in
1: this really small little shop, but the woman had been really classically trained. So I was really lucky. The first year, all I did was wire reeds. And I remember being on a night bus and away home from a club, like literally kind of almost hallucinating myself wiring reeds because I've been doing it all day you know and you know when you do something over and over again yeah. and kind of and then it's just in your head
0: yeah yeah, um, yeah. so I did that I've issued books in my dreams yeah when I yeah. used to work in a library
1: yeah and it was it was yeah exactly those kind of monot- was repetitive yeah. daily things and then yeah she just kind of I think saw something in me that she thought mm, maybe this girl's trainable and just let me loose really and gave me more and more interesting things to do funeral work and weddings and in the end we would, we did some stuff for fashion shows, you know, wow. big amazing arrangements. Yeah, it was really cool. What did you really um, like that job?
0: And um, what did you like about it? Was it the kind of creativity or the structure? I liked it. What? It was
1: physical. Yeah. I really liked physically doing lots of hard work. You know, you have to you don't sort of think about it really. But in a florist you have to clean every vase every day, you know, scrub it out, new water, cut all the flowers, you know, you have yeah. to um, <laughs> I remember when it was Valentine's Day we had to dethorn you know, two thousand roses. Wow. So you get each individual rose with a knife, the floristry knife. You have to literally hack off each tiny little thorn and make them thornless, you know, so that when you sell them, they don't cut people. Yeah. So I like the fact it was physical. I loved the creativity. I like the fact I was interacting with people. I've always kind of been good at jobs where Social I have to interact element. and, yeah. um, you know, good host, you know, done bar work, being a good hostess and stuff you like that. You throw good parties. <laughs> yeah, I hope, like, hope, hope so. You do. So. Um, That's
0: a definite. Yeah. in my opinion. Oh,
1: thank you. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think also the the social element in terms of you're dealing with people at the very pinnacles and lows of their lives. So you deal with wedding days, which yeah. are you know important to people for all sorts of varying reasons. Actually, yeah. Some of it's about showing off, and you know, so other people, it's about you know.
0: Yeah, this is the having year.
1: a lovely day. You know, uh, where... this is
0: the year of weddings. It's I'm, yeah. like I'm going to be thirty <laughs> this year. Everyone's getting married, you know, so funny. I'm going to so many of them. None
1: of my mates really are married. But, yeah. well
0: interesting but some it, of them
1: are yeah it is interesting it was weddings and then you know funerals or guilty husbands as well that was quite a good one oh, you know? and mm. you'd be able to rinse them for loads of money you know <laughs> <laughs> like get loads of you sell them a really big bunch of flowers you know because they were feeling guilty they'd been to the pub or you, know, you could always tell the guil- guilty but then you, person coming home and them. you
0: would have also got people who, going on their first date or whatever things like that like I guess you were seeing all buying a
1: bunch of flowers for a special thing really and if you're the kind of I mean I don't think the the people who are coming home late from the pub to buy their wives a bunch of flowers and that's why you could rinse them yeah yeah yeah, exactly Well, you're seeing um, the
0: lows and you know the the best and the worst of people
1: for genuine reasons I mean the act of giving flowers in a way is quite strange
0: yeah I've always thought it's Um, an odd one Jen really
1: likes flowers some people really don't like cut flowers I guess they signify something dying you know it's kind of my personal thing is, you know, everything's dying from the minute it's, the minute it's formed, yeah, it's dying. It's but anyway, no, I just think they're beautiful things to have around. And I yeah. think, you know, they are a really nice way of, of making a gesture to someone. So I guess...
0: Uh, absolutely. I, well, I, I buy gem flowers every few years. Oh. Because I think if you do it all the time, it kind of yeah. loses its specialness. Yeah,
1: yeah, It's yeah, kind yeah, definitely.
0: Of, you, you can't stop that happening to the word love. That, that you can't... You know, when we first started going out, we, try- we tried not to say it too much because we didn't want well, to devaluate it. it. Yeah, and absolutely. And I, I, I think it just... It does... You can't stop that, but with flowers, you can you can have that be the the word yeah. love. Like you can make it as special as that. I reckon. I think
1: the word love is it, it's a word, isn't it? Yeah. For me, it's about you know all the it's, other stuff.
0: That, it's the tone that uh, makes yeah. it special. I think so. It still can be magical. And even the when context
1: it, in which that yeah. that word is offered. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> it has to be cushioned by lots of other things yeah, that make you feel love.
0: Absolutely. The other question that I ask people, which I haven't asked you yet, which is, mm. is what do you do now? Mm. It's one of those, you were. Uh, how would you
1: describe questions? me? Uh, housewife, stay at home mum, you know, one of those boring things, I you, guess. Um, in between like, jobs, maybe. No, do you, I don't really do you like, like those that. Teams? Not that it particularly bothers me having a label, I just feel that that label might not. I mean, you say to people, Oh, I'm a stay at home mum, and and you sort of as it comes out, you feel the stigma attached to it. Yet, yeah, people always say, Oh, that's the hardest job in the world, you know. Yeah, it, it really bloody is, you know but um, well I
0: work um, in children's centres and nurseries (laughs) and 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 ask any of the staff there it's a hard job right and you're doing that one-on-one it's a hard job because
1: it's quite a suffocating relationship really having baby you know breastfeeding uh and then to to be with them every day all day every day yeah for, for you to be their kind of sole thing that makes them feel Okay. Yeah. Um and I'm not the sole thing she has a father of course yeah, you know course. but when when you're the person who's there you're the day person who's in there and day out. Yeah. And actually as they get older I found this with Jessica the older one um that she as they get older it becomes less of a kind of we call it mummified. it's less mom- mother focused you know she can accept comfort from other people far, far more easily but yeah it's quite suffocating sometimes being with a, a small person who just constantly requires you know feeding yeah. attention <laughs> and
0: you know it, it's hard to work out what they want a lot of the time i mean yeah. at least now
1: it's easier she, if you spend a lot of time got, with them though. now
0: well now she yeah. speaks you can yeah. you can find out what she wants yeah. more but ba- babies are very
1: yeah
0: very hard to work out mothers are probably better at working out what their children think, um, think than i i, I am, disagree i think
1: babies are easier i think and the first one, no, I didn't feel like that. You know, having okay. the first baby, I felt it was like the most complicated and terrifying thing. Yeah. Uh, and that really carried on until I had the second one and realised, oh, actually, I know how to do this. Yeah. And it's not that bad and it will pass. I said my mantra at the moment is it will pass. You know, when you have a two-year-old, you have to kind of constantly remind yourself that they won't always be in that horrible and phase so where they're true, driving you yeah. nuts and you feel like crying. Um, well, that's what I tell. <laughs> that's why I tell mums
0: at baby rhymes. Because yeah. I get a lot of mums. <clears> I mean, that's... you do
1: feel at the end of your tether. But oh,
0: I had I a friend who once said not to not me, "Like yeah. every
1: every change you want to make to a toddler's life, it will take three days to see through that change." So, if it's a bedtime change to you know what you want them to do at bedtime, I don't know, taking away their bottle or doing whatever, you know, it takes three days. And the first day is the most terrible, disastrous, awful, you know, heart-wrenching headache. Inducing day, yeah. and then day two is kind of all right, and then day three is really awful, and then day by, by day four, it's you know sorted, and they they accept it. But yeah, you... she's raging against the, the little one. Just rages against the machine all the time at the moment, and it's just very stressful. Well, that, that that's
0: I mean that's that's the other thing that you don't think like every person, every child's got a different personality, and so every oh, child yeah. will be different. So you yeah. learn from the first one, and and I think you had a yeah, like you say, you had a better. You bet. You, you had a bet. She was probably better when she, she was a baby for you because you'd already uh, learned
1: Yeah. The and also, skills. her birth was easier. Yeah. Um, and I mean, with uh, Jess, number one, I was a new mum, but number number two, I'd been through this traumatic situation when she was actually born. I mean, I delivered her normally, but uh, it was a she, very
0: long labour. It was. A, wasn't
1: well, it? No, I mean, it was twenty-four hours. Okay. It wasn't that bad. To be so honest with you, what, I just twenty-four I
0: just, hours is a long labour to no, me. i am never be no, in no, that no, situation. No, no, no. It, it was a long
1: labour. Um, but I didn't cope with it. I didn't, I got very scared very early on,
0: Yeah.
1: kind of went into hospital. I mean, you don't know what to expect. So I went into hospital and, and perhaps I should have stayed at home longer and I should have walked around more. And it, you know, in retrospect, I know all of these things, but I got very scared and we went to hospital and I was in a fairly good mood. It was about two in the afternoon and I was okay. I was coping with the contractions and everything was okay, but they were coming quickly, but they weren't very strong. And then by seven in the evening, I was literally kind of writhing around in agony. And I said to them, I'd like an epidural. And they said, well, you've said on your birth plan you don't want an epidural. You know, do you really want one? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, well, go and have a bath and you might feel better. You know, go and have a little sit in the bath and try and relax. And and then come and tell me if you definitely want this. And they put me in this bath. It was a normal sized bath, in fact, quite a small sort of, you know, seemed like a small, obviously, I was big and pregnant, but literally it had a concertina door a foot away from where the bath was right. into the main corridor of the labour ward. So there were hundreds of people walking up and down, and if anybody opened the door, you know, there I was in the bath, fully exposed in my pregnant state, riding around in that. agony. So that really stressed me out more. So then I said, Look, I really do want an epidural. So they gave me an epidural. And it kind of slowed everything down. But at least then I could sleep over that evening because I hadn't had much sleep. Keith and I had been watching the World Cup. The, uh, England won the World Cup the day before
0: uh, in yes. rugby. Right.
1: And we would watched that. And I hadn't gone to bed till 1 in the morning. And then I'd woken up at 4 with contraptions. And then I got into hospital. And then by this point it was the evening. And I said, I need to sleep. I can't cope with this because it wasn't progressing. So they gave me an epidural. And I managed to sleep over on and off through the night. And then at 6, she was born... But it, I started pushing about 4 in the morning. 4.30 I think it was. And I don't really think I needed to. Oh, <laughs> in retrospect, I was just I'd had enough. I didn't wanted the baby wanted out. out. If I was just like, I don't know, I need to push. But actually, in retrospect, perhaps I should have not started pushing so early. But yeah, it put, took an hour and a half. And, you know, it should take sort of 20 minutes, 40 yeah, minutes, yeah, max, yeah, yeah. to, to push the baby out. And then eventually her head came out and they realised that her cord was around her neck twice.
0: Oh, God.
1: And that was pulling, obviously, every time I was, you know, pushing her she was, was being pulled back in oh it was God. like also she pooed in the womb which meant that her mouth was filled with meconium which is like the first poo like nine months worth of poo <laughs> okay. like in her mouth and normally what they would do is clear the mouth but because they were dealing with her cord and they couldn't they can't just cut it they have to literally unhook it from around the baby they dealt with that and then the first thing she did was take a deep breath and she inhaled all this she oh, her. Hands. And then her body was born, and by this point, I mean I was exhausted, I didn't really know what was going on. All I knew was that while this cord thing was going on, and I think Keith and my mum have told me this because they were both there, they were trying to press buttons and buttons weren't working, and they were trying to call doctors, and it was all like really stressful. Mm. And literally as, as her body was born, they just sort of wiped her on my leg and took her away, And that was it. Like, well, you know, nobody knew what was going on. And I don't really remember what happened after that, but I do remember mum going out into the corridor and standing next to a room where there was a couple of babies kind of under oxygen. And this woman came up to me and said, you can't stand there. And she said, well, no, my daughter's in there. She's just had a baby and no-one will tell her what's happened to her baby. You know, and I was like yeah, lying yeah. there going, what? <laughs> what's going on? And then they said, oh, she's OK. We've got her on oxygen, you know, she's got problem breathing because she's swan- she's breathing all this poo-la-la. And then I remember being left for ages. Keith went out and made all the phone calls. you know yeah, yeah, Mum yeah. went home because she wanted to leave us alone to spend you know to to be together. I remember just being alone in the room and just thinking, "What <laughs> what's just happened to me?" Yeah. And then a doctor brought her in, all wrapped up and said, "Look, you know she's not her breathing's still not good, so we're going to take her up to special care. I remember looking at this doctor and saying, "Can I hold her?" you know because no one at this point had actually given me my baby." Oh. And then she was in special care for three days and I was in hospital yeah. on a ward. Where I, I was actually in a private room, but next to a ward so I could hear other people's babies crying you know, and I had all the mad emotions of a, you know, yeah, a new just, mother, but yeah. with no baby there to kind oh, of, God. you know, distract me. And I had to go and see her in a little incubator upstairs. But And, I, you know, lots of women have to go home and leave their babies in, in special care. So, I, you know, I don't say for a minute that it was the worst, but it was... Fairly traumatic hearing all the other babies crying. Well,
0: I, I think that there. there are, I mean, there are so many different ways that people have babies, and it, it's <coughs> different. Experience. They're all valid. They're all, you know. I mean, I talked to somebody who had a, a you know, a, a premature baby that was, oh, you know, and on so this awful. show, and yeah, and that that was a yeah, that a really yeah. hard experience. But I mean, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you know that this wasn't didn't have an impact on the way you feel about no no no. Your, but and, know, and actually, I think it was
1: um, someone once said to me this strange hippie woman i knew who had a placenta planting party um but yeah she's another story altogether yeah, yeah. um but she once said to me it's like post-traumatic stress women who have bad experiences when they give birth you know that there is a form yeah, of post-traumatic I stress I think so. so and going back to why i started <laughs> launching into my birth story about jess was that actually after that i was really stressed um when it came to her very anxious m- more so than i needed to be i mean actually also what happened was that we, we were um, let out of hospital on the fifth day and she was okay but then we got home and then she threw up a load of blood all over the th- you know so it was just we had some really awful experiences well it's with, kind of um, it's kind of I mean those those kind of scary. things are quite
0: scary yeah, yeah. exactly I mean anybody throwing up blood is scary but if it's a newborn <laughs> a baby, baby you just come from
1: her you know been in this little bubble in hospital and Everything's been really <laughs> monitored and everything, and suddenly you go home and this happened. So that was awful. But then Lily, it, she her birth just absolved all of that. It, it was just, it was a magical thing. It was beautiful,
0: um, wasn't it? it was a, I, remember I went, yeah, it I a went in to be
1: induced. It. She was like twelve days late, and they said, "No, we am going to induce you." And I went in. It was like eight o'clock in the morning, and they said, "Oh, we can't do it now because we've got to check what needs doing on the wall, You know, it's like so you've got to wait. And about nine thirty, I remember saying to Keith, "Oh." I think, I, something's not right you know, I don't know if I might be having contractions and it went on and they were regular you know and then they monitored me and then they said yeah you're in labour so that was really cool they said going naturally and then um, I walked around in the hospital for ages I said to get, they said go for a walk so I walked around and I wanted to go to the car boot sale Keith <laughs> didn't want to go he <laughs> was like you can't go to the car boot sale you're in labour and I was, um, I was just going no I'd be brilliant I can just stop in between you know I'll stop when I have a contraction then we can go and have a look it be fun but he wouldn't let me, and then we went back and um, and they said, oh, you know, you, you're a natural labour. You can go down to the labour ward, and. There just so happened to be a water birthing suite available, and there just so happened to be a, a midwife on that was trained to do it.
0: And you'd wanted a water birth oh, before you went in?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's only two birthing pools at Whips, so you're really lucky if you... If you number one, if there's one free, but also to have a midwife that's trained, because it's very rare. I talked to a midwife friend of mine recently. She said, you have to observe five, then you have to, you know, take part in another so many. and oh, then, wow. I think it's five you have to observe. Anyway, but, you know, it's really tricky because you might not be on shift you know it's difficult to train midwives because they do these shifts and you know if there's the opportunity's not there you can't do it anyway just so happened to have this woman on on and the labor came on you know really really quite quickly and there were five midwives present when she came when she and her head yeah and it was amazing being in the water It was just magical because no one can touch you so you're just you can sit you can be you know be however you want to be no one can mess with you and her head came out and she, t- I don't know if you know this, when babies' heads come out, they're facing towards your, your bottom, yeah. your back bump. Yeah, and then yeah, they turn yeah. their heads and then the rest of them come. Yeah, yeah, And she turned her head and looked up at all these five midwives. I just remember it. You know, it's like ah, so you have a no, mad no. movie. Like, really bizarre. She turned her head and opened her eyes and blinked at them. And oh, just well. went, oh, these midwives. They don't touch breathe them. until you touch them. They okay. don't breathe until you touch them, So when their head comes out, you're not allowed to touch their head. Because if you do, it will cause them to take a breath. Take a then, breath. Yeah so her head came out and then you know next couple of contractions her body came and then then the, the midwives can't touch her you have to pull them up onto your chest and that was she was wriggling around oh, it was amazing wow. it was an amazing moment and um, still, i thought she was a boy as well,
0: well and you were <laughs> still attached by the by the, the cord um, yeah cord at the cords
1: yeah and and actually wow. no one really talks about that that's like the worst bit you know that's all kind of they, they so the baby comes out and the, um, she was there and then Keith got to cut the cord and then you have to deliver the placenta which is really horrific yeah <laughs> we don't really want to go down that no, road no well I mean you know, no people it's, 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 it's about fairly that. horrific um, but yeah I mean I just it was the most amazing experience ever and then Big Sister came and that was you know and then I was alone with her in the ward and it was such an, an abstract and new thing to have this totally newborn thing with me because Jess hadn't been with you me. you hadn't
0: had that the first time.
1: Yeah, and it was there was no one on the ward. It was totally silent and there was no one there. It was just me and her. It was amazing. It was oh, an amazing lovely. night. Yeah, really amazing. I remember coming out of the ward with her because I was a bit worried that there was something, she was coughing up some stuff and I was like, oh, what's that? Because obviously I, did, I, wasn't, I didn't know what happens to babies when they no, first you born. Were, yeah. But you know, obviously stuff gets in their lungs when as they come out. Yeah or from the nine months where they're developing, I guess. But um, I came out into this dark corridor. And, it, you know, the midwife looked surprised to see me. Like, she didn't know I was there. It was really bizarre. But so relaxed and so so different. And we came home the next day, you know. It was amazing. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Did you always want to be a mother?
1: I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I always thought if, I've always thought if I did, I'd like boys. Because, they, you know, they're much simpler than girls. Most boys are. I wouldn't say you are. <laughs> um, that's
0: a, a fair point.
1: And I wouldn't say granddad. I mean, and, you know, there are certain... No, I'm not a very simple boys boy. who are not simple in those ways. Well,
0: I think that in some ways I'm quite female and that's the ways I'm complicated. I think it depends on
1: your experiences as well. And having a dad like yours and... Yeah, you are complicated.
0: Well, I had a complicated childhood. You had a complicated life, yeah.
1: yeah. But then, I mean, everyone's life is complicated in different ways. Definitely. Everyone deals with complications in different Definitely. ways. I mean, you could have...
0: My personal, you responded
1: very differently well, to per, your circumstances. I think
0: I could have done, but I think a lot of it is it's to do with how you. So a lot of it. So I had certain genetic things where yeah. I am, it, and so because of that, the way I responded to the complex, complexities of childhood. You
1: were predisposed to respond the way
0: that. Yeah, I absolutely. guess so. But I mean, right. some ways I survived my childhood very well, and in some ways it made me complicated mm. and you know that's but so I, it yeah it's so interesting
1: it is it um, it is interesting
0: and you've got girls two lovely my great nieces
1: which is yeah. a crazy
0: thing to have when you're
1: yeah. <laughs> thirty. well that comes from being a bunker
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> yeah it is mad and i mean obviously i had jess when i was 26 and i had lily when i was 31 well, i don't know yeah 31 32. And that's quite young, really, yeah. I think. And not a lot of my friends have got babies, and that's quite complicated. Because, you know, I said earlier, not a lot of them are married. And, you know, so I think we were quite alternative as teenagers, and quite... most of my friends have continued to be quite adults I was going to say, because
0: it's quite luck of the draw, because I've got two, two of my really close friends have got two children. Yeah. My little sister is has got a, yeah, a daughter. Of course, yeah. It just depends what friendship group hmm. you're in, and what's interesting, I think, about your friendship group. Because I, I inter- interviewed Jessica Green. Did you? Yeah, and Liam. I've actually got two of your friendship oh, group. Before I got you, They're interesting people
1: they're, to talk they're to. They're fantastically yeah, interesting yeah, people yeah. to talk yeah. to.
0: You've all stayed, the, like a, yeah. it's a big group, we are a good, and it's from yeah. school. And you all well, live I wasn't near at school each other with
1: them, still. Actually. Okay. I wasn't at school with any of them. I, funnily enough, Jessica Green <laughs> lived in this house.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Years before my mum, my mum didn't buy it off her parents, but um, you know, a couple of you know owners before was her parents. That's
0: right. She said that I think.
1: Um, and actually, we got we were mates. We were best mates at playgroup. Like really, really good mates at playgroup when we were three. And then we didn't see each other for, until we were 15, and she came round here. I think my mum had a party or something, and she came round here, and we hung out in this very room, Wow. Um, and rekindled our friendship. And then she was at the school up the road, which was a mixed school. I was actually at a girls' school, so I just started hanging around with her and her mates, really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were all mates from there, and I, every Christmas I have them over for a Christmas soiree. Oh, I nice. know. So yeah, I mean, we do see each other. Some some more regularly than others. I mean, I'll definitely say I see Jess a lot. But, you know, there's is, there's is funny thing, friends. Isn't it?
0: But you all still go out, you know, we do, and yeah. do occasional things all together. Yeah, or we see all... each other at
1: Christmas.
0: Exactly, <laughs> and you live relatively close to each other. Yeah, it's quite rare. I mean, I I'm only really close friends with. Well, I would say I'm I see regularly two friends from school, yeah. and I would like to see regularly. You know, say. Five or six, but most I've got
1: less from my actual
0: school. Oh, yeah, 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 but from yeah. that age, yeah, from teenage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, because actually, I mean, they did, they were in my school, but they weren't in my year, All right. so it was okay. a they, we, my friends school and days, I,
1: mates. Yeah. yeah,
0: became friends in odd ways, yeah. too. I think a lot of the time, the lasting ones are the ones that start in a you know, roundabout way because yeah, you choose each other, don't yeah, you? Yeah, of course. That's yeah. the thing. Maybe yeah. that explains why you guys I think, have stayed. Yeah, I, just, friends. I
1: think other people who come into our friendship group find it quite difficult sometimes, like girlfriends or boyfriends of people. You know, I think that's really quite difficult. And I don't think we mean to, you know, it's not like, you know, it's a strange thing sort of being cliquey. Yeah, you, you know, can't You help don't it, mean it, to it because happens, you just know everyone, each other so well. Yeah. yeah, we we kind of all love each other, but all, you know, we all hate each other and we have our own, uh, Issues as well. I'm well, that's, sure why, that's well. <laughs>
0: friends are like family, aren't they? They are, if, and that's, if what, you're that's with why we stay together. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Well, the, the people I went to school with, they they know me best in some ways, but it, that means that sometimes it can be fraught.
1: Yeah, especially uh, you know the issues you had then, and not the issues, or you may have dealt with them. More yeah, than, you know, and then well, they're I bringing the, sore stuff back up. Well, I
0: was or, in a band with them as well, so there's, there's <laughs> lots yeah, of. There was... I mean, there's a creative. We've had a me and my my. One of my best friends, Alex, who I'm interviewing this weekend, and then he, then he's going to interview me, which is going to be weird. oh, that would be cool. Um, but but <laughs> who's
1: it, going first?
0: Oh, I'm I'm going. I'm interviewing him first. <laughs> but but we we've had a like long, complicated, creative relationship as well as yeah. friend. And so when you mix creativity yeah. and friendship, that means that sometimes you're angry at each other
1: mm.
0: personally, and you're taking it out through the music. Sometimes you're angry with each other musically, and you're taking yeah. it out in the friendship. Yeah, that's
1: mean? really. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us have really done anything creative together.
0: No, I don't advise it necessarily. It's the yes, same you know, with well, family. When it's,
1: a team. it's weird because we're, you know, I don't know if I really subscribe to it, but I think I do a little bit. We're both, we have the, our birthdays are three days apart, you know, so we're both horoscopes, like, like, Scorpios, though. you know. Um, and I think uh, they say, you know, two Scorpios either really get on or really don't. Yeah. <laughs> and we really get on. It's weird, actually. We've both got allotments now. and
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, you've, yeah, you've because she was mostly talking about
1: yeah, allotments yeah, and I'm stuff. So and you're doing know, that yeah. too. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I'm turning into my mother, I think. We all do a little bit turning to...
0: But do you not think that what happens is you get old enough to just admit that you like the things that they like, yeah, and then you yeah, and you go fuck yeah, yeah, it, yeah, no, no, you know? No, I actually,
1: because that. you're
0: cooking a lot and you're and you're doing the allotment, and that oh, is kind I of. I
1: think she'd admit I'm a better cook than her. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to say that. Um, I can't no, I love, comment on love, that. I love cooking. <laughs> actually, that's one. You know, talking about what I do now and what I'm going to, you know, when when Lily goes to school and stuff. You know, what am I going to do? I think that's really creative cooking. I love it. I like the science of it as well. But actually, I have to say, since having the allotment, there's nothing like cooking with your own shit. Yeah. You know, because you've grown it. and River it does Cottage taste
0: Garden better. style, yeah. Well, yeah,
1: like a little him. bit. A bit more rock and roll. Than <laughs> maybe.
0: I don't know. Maybe. He gets drunk on cider and drinks does That's jumps true. On the stairs, I, doesn't well, he? I'd
1: quite like to make my own cider. I might make some oh, um, dams, and, dams and vodka this year, I think. Oh, nice. That might be the. The thing, but yeah, I do like going to the allotment. And again, it's a physical. I love physical stuff. You yeah. Know? But physical stuff where you can see, I think it's really important in any job you do to be able to see the impact you have. I think when you do performance like you do, yeah, I think you see, uh, you you get instant gratification yeah because you can see the impact you've had and that's a similar thing like digging a plot of earth yeah 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 I know no, that sounds really strange. no no I believe it you know at the moment particularly in my life at the moment I think I need to have things that, that you know make me see that because it's hard you know like, like I said before you know being, being a kid you don't always see the hard work you put in you know yeah. or keeping a house or when doing it, the endless stuff. there's no end points washing. is there
0: that's the point it's an, it's yeah, an ongoing exactly. thing you won't see the
1: end well, result ever because they're I all growing up the allotment is a never ending thing as well because you dig a plot of earth and then the weeds come but, but it, it has a magical thing. it's a magical stops, thing um, where you can kind of you know work on something and really see it and then grow something you know and see it grow and then eat it, and
0: it's, it's <laughs> seasonal as well, is I love it. it. I mean, no, yeah. that's, a, that's another thing about it that, yeah. that that means that I think I don't know. I think, I mean, I don't. Want, I mean, people can think I'm hippie or I don't care. I mean, I think there is something about eating the food that was supposed is supposed to grow oh, at that time, and, and and it's the, oh, it's at its best, isn't it? As absolutely. well, it tastes. Nice yeah, assistant.
1: yeah, and I totally believe that about eating happy meat. You know, I believe that. About anything, you know, anything that's kind of been nurtured as as it should be.
0: Yeah, I wish I could afford to eat happy meat more often. You would
1: have loved this place. We went in the summer. Amazing, amazing meat.
0: I do for Christmas. There's a place um, up where near where I used to work in Oakwood in Enfield, where there's an organic butcher there, and I organic meat. I I go the last two Christmases. I've got the the bird from there and also mm-hmm. the other meat from there and it's, I like,
1: it is like you said, it's right?
0: a big long tube journey between yeah. the two places but I don't care it is
1: prohibitively it? expensive and I think that's one of the key problems yeah is that people definitely expect me pretty much every day of the week you know yeah definitely well, it's I, true isn't it some I, days know, I eat three it.
0: different kinds of meat in a day but, yeah but that's world. a
1: bloody expensive way to I know be. for everyone I mean, for everything um, yeah and <laughs> um, so I think this kind of culture of having everything as much as you want, you know, all the time. I mean, I sort of think, what's the point of eating shit meat?
0: Yeah.
1: I'd rather eat, you know, a nice lentil (laughs) stew. I know this is me sounding like my mum again. But I do sort of, like, maybe you said, like what you said, you know, maybe it is a a point where you grow to realise, you know... I guess for me, a mentality when I was young, when I was a teenager, was get as fucked as possible, you know. Yeah do as much damage to yourself, stay up all night, drink yourself silly, you know, go and just do everything to the extreme and never mind the consequence, you know. But I think now, particularly having kids, but also, you know, you sort of, you grow older and you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, okay, the consequences on my body or on the way I feel. Well,
0: you can't do it forever. As well, I mean no, they're, they're, no, you, I no. think you but then you choose it more rarely,,
1: but then I used to be disappointed when I couldn't have those things, when I couldn't you know be wild, yeah, but actually, I'm far more satisfied now about the fact that you know i'm I'm happier in the fact that I don't feel I need to do that anymore. I don't
0: think being wild all the time makes you happy it doesn't does it? suit
1: me that much anymore being wild, I just think when you sort of end up just looking like a knob, really. you're trying to be wild when you're 17 you can be wild and you look like a knob but no one really minds well yeah everyone else looks (laughs) like a knob at the same time yeah and when when you're in the 30s you just look like a real knob you know most people are sort of being quite well behaved
0: yeah i think there's a you know i think there's a balance and i think you 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 walk it well of you know not being (laughs) you. you know not being too yeah not losing the good things about being wild yeah. That's the trick. Yeah. It's like getting a balance because I think yeah, I think yeah.
1: also when you have young, young children, you really can't be wild yeah. because you just snack it all the time. Because your lifestyle is such that it's dominated by them, you can't kind of you know, have a few days to recover because yeah. literally the next day, you know, they're up you've got to deal with them and what they need and well, what
0: they, I mean I can't I can't find the days to recover just working Without a job ki- yeah, exactly, and if I had exactly. kids there's no way to yeah. do it but <laughs> yeah. I know people who can oh
1: yeah I know people yeah. with
0: two kids and my mate yeah my mate Georgie was on the podcast he he, he drinks quite a lot yeah he, I don't think he would mind me saying that yeah and it doesn't it's not a problem for him it's not a problem yeah. for him and he, he's a good dad and he, he fits it around but I mean it's just so it's what you can cope it's who with, suppose, you are isn't it, it? Yeah. some people can do it
1: I'm not as hardcore as I used to be. Well, I, I mean, you know,
0: I, yeah, I mean, I guess I I had the same thing for a bit. I sort of was like, well, am I as cool as I used to be and all that sort of stuff? Yeah,
1: I think you weigh things up, don't you? As you get older, there are periods in your life where you weigh things up. And my mum did, denied that she said this the other day, but I said it to her. I'm sure when I was younger, I thought it was her, but someone said to me, when you reach 30, you realise you'll never be a pop star. And when you reach 40, you realise you'll never marry a pop star. <laughs> you know, and I think there's a kind of element. I think there are periods like midlife crisis, call it what you like. Yeah. It's not midlife, is it? Well, there's a long time though, you now you remember well, Yeah, that. but also there are periods of time where you have to you look at yourself and who you were and who you are now and where yeah. you're going, and you kind of go, okay, who am I? Because before I was that person, and life has just taken over, and now I'm here, and what am I doing, and am I enjoying it, and all of those yeah. things.
0: Well, that's what I'm doing. That's what this, that was, this, yeah. that's what this show is. I'm, I'm looking at myself and going mm. um And it's funny, Like things like I've started smoking again and <laughs> that's not something you're supposed to do to, to be yourself. You know, you're not supposed to do the bad but things, you, but that but suits, you me it suits me at the moment. Do you know what
1: I think? And it's what I was saying to you earlier about, um, you know, you never give up if you're enjoying it, but I think also part of the giving up smoking, giving up, you know, hating parts of yourself or who you are, yeah beating yourself up all the time about these things you know you shouldn't yeah. do or you should and I and I do think you know yes obviously smoking is really bad for you and obviously lots of things are really bad for you you know but if if you're not in a bad place I don't really see the you know yeah, if, this you're is too, it. if it's making you miserable exactly <laughs> you know what about everything in moderation you know yeah I think I'm a big believer I in I wish that, I
0: could do know? moderation a bit well
1: better. yeah and, yeah I say that <laughs> <laughs> I say that and yeah, I'd, like I, to, I, um, I'd
0: like to be a moderate cigarette smoker, but I'm a I'm a I'm a strong, like not not mean moderate. Now now we talk about smoking. No, you're gonna roll a cigarette. cigarette. No, but I'm
1: alright. I mean I smoke socially much more than if I if I wasn't you know, drinking or, or you know, having a chat or a coffee or yeah. stuff like that, I would probably smoke maybe one or two fags a day. Possibly three. For me it was a big break from a baby thing. I gave up completely when I was pregnant with Lily. Yeah. But then I when she was about Eight weeks, nine weeks old. I just, um, it became, you know, my my escape from that domination. You know, my, I went away completely, and it was kind of something I could do on my own. I well, guess. It's, well, I think psychologically, it's,
0: for me, smoking represents a little bit. And people, I know, I know loads of my friends who really disapprove of smoking, so they'll just have to uh, fast forward this bit. But.
1: For,
0: <laughs> For me, smoking—I love smoking. It's—it's. It's, I really, really like. That's the it. thing,
1: you know. It's pleasurable. Um, it? and
0: you know, I, I i weigh up the pros and cons. Everything has risk in life, but but never mind all that argument. For me, at the moment, smoking sort of represents fine tuning myself, because I think I was getting to a point where I was going too far the other way in I some mean, ways, you know, not, not being myself.
1: Yeah.
0: Like it, you—you've trying got, to
1: be this person that you know. You yeah. think you should be.
0: You've got to find a. a A place in the middle because when you're a teenager, you're not being yourself either. No, but nor are most adults. So you really need to find the middle way.
1: Spiderman or Superman, (laughs) Dave? Else you've got to work it out. Because if you don't, you know, could be all all ends of trouble for you. Well, that's true.
0: (laughs) And but I also think, like you say, when you when you when you sort of reach thirty, you're sort of. It's kind of what you were, we were saying about you becoming like your mum or me becoming like my mum or my dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see both of them in me. Um, <laughs> and I you have to deal with it. It's a fact. And so you have to... You, and you get to a point where you're like, well, it's going to be there for the rest of my life. So I can I can think this stuff is nonsense and trying to... Like, therapy and stuff is nonsense. I mean, and I do still kind of think that. That's why I'm not in therapy. I'm doing a show. But... but um, it's a
1: form of therapy. But it and definitely, definitely, is. It definitely is. It definitely I is. It definitely is. You know, talking is therapy. So whatever way you find the way to talk, some people need to go and talk to a professional person who'll ask the right questions. Some people just need to sit in a room with a load of people they find interesting. You know, whatever it is, it's all therapy. And actually, you know, truth is, however hard, you know, I I personally think it's really important to be as honest with yourself and the world around you as you can. Um, So,
0: So did you have a sort of similar thing? I mean... When you turned thirty, I mean, I, I know the numbers are meaningless. It started for me when um, I was twenty nine, but
1: what you mean like a midlife crisis kind of thing?
0: I don't think it's a crisis so much or as like a reassessment.
1: Yeah. No, mine came when I was about eighteen, and I was trying to work out my my uh, feelings about my father. Then.
0: I had one then as well. I think oh yeah, the, well this maybe is the well, one.
1: Did I have one at thirty? And I wrote a lot of poetry when I was eighteen and tried to get him to understand how I felt, you know, and all that stuff. Maybe that was more of a Did you thing. give it to him? Yeah. He told me it was self-indulgent shit. Did he? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. And in the end, we had two or three very upsetting, horrible meetings about it. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, he eventually admitted that... It, it was just, it really hurt his feelings. Like It really upset him, you know. But it probably was self indulgent. Of course, it was self indulgent shit. I was 18 and I was trying to express something that was really hard for me to express. And it was very self indulgent because, you know, it was me trying to get my therapy, if you like. But
0: you should, I think, I mean, I, I, I wrote a play about my, my family and gave it them all to read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. That's pretty heavy. No, uh, he, he said it was vicious. Those were his words. It was vicious. Uh, and it was probably. It was called Lark Falling
0: well it was probably was vicious but then sometimes you feel vicious and parents have to oh i did that feel too, vicious I, I was really
1: you know? i was really angry with him um and now it, i don't know but he better. has to
0: acknowledge his own part within the well he sense, kind of did, a, did
1: acknowledge it but you know uh, it's a weird situation you know i think um he finds he he finds it really hard to think about the life before, the life he has now. I think, you know, in order to enjoy the life he has now, he has to sort of put the other life in a box because I don't think it's easy for him right. to deal with it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um Because
0: he's got a new family mm-hmm. after your family. But,
1: but also I think, you know, he kind of dwells on his own self-indulgent shit also. And I think, you know, deep down, he, he, he's dealing with his feelings his about the situation. Yeah. Um And well, I feel look, like I've expelled my feelings to him. But, you know, he knows how I
0: feel but he's dealing so. with the stuff that he feels about his dad and his his mom as well I mean everybody is this is what I realized because I interviewed my mom yeah and I kind of had this big epiphany which will come out on the show at some point
1: okay
0: you know the thing that made me sort of completely forgive her for the minute. Who knows what I'll feel in twenty years? Yeah. We all change, but compl- and and not even forgive her, Like recognize that there wasn't even anything to see forgive. See her as a
1: grown up and see her as a normal person. She's
0: just trying she, to get through life, get and by, I'm trying yeah. to get through life. And 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 when I was eighteen, I didn't get that. When I wrote no. that play, no, I wanted no, her you, to. I wanted. I mean, because my Mervyn, my stepdad, he yeah. he apologized to me as a result of that. Uh, but m- m- Mum didn't. Sorry. But she did. She did. We did talk about it, but she didn't apologize, and that. And, I've, and you know, when I talked to her, she very correctly said, you know, well, you know, I can't, you know, how can you apologise for who you are? You know, in in a way, that's true. That is so true. Yeah. You can try and... Yeah. And she did try. Or, she always tried yeah. to be a better person yeah. than she was. And and she, and she I think she's a very good person as well. I mean, yeah. there's sides of her that aren't. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to sort of say no, anything no. negative about it.
1: No, no, of course. But I think... Um, It's a strange relationship I have with my dad now. You know, it's not resolved in the sense that we are as a father and daughter should be, I don't feel. Yeah, it's a very strange relationship. But I don't feel generally as affected by it as I did when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I do still feel affected by it sometimes.
0: I think that never goes away.
1: but actually I'm not sure I want I don't want to, to go be. there again oh, actually. Right, okay. The other thing is um in terms of m- trying to deal with it with him and make him understand I really feel that you know he probably deep down knows and gets it and I don't really want to cover that ground again with him.
0: Well that's that's the other thing It's painful, I realise, you know, you know like, you can't
1: really be be asked being sad, you know. Yeah. Well absolutely. <laughs> absolutely There's a part of me that's like, well, what's the point of that. So Following my own well, so for, know, me, for
0: me all it really is 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 it's about trying to deal with like, stop saying, well, I'm being like my mum and that's my mum's fault. And start saying, well, I'm being like my mum and that's my fault. And, and I'm can recognising
1: I, it and how can, how I, be can I be different? Yeah, and how absolutely. can I be
0: different? And how can I change the way that I interact with people to be
1: yeah. the
0: best of my mum's qualities? Because yeah. I've got some great qualities from my mom as I well. I certainly
1: think also the other thing is, is the way that it affects you in, in the sense that it makes you behave differently. I think I kind of, perhaps my penchant for <laughs> uh social you know, wanting to please people socially yeah. is is stems from kind of as a child feeling quite, you know, not really I always wanted to please or, you know, be accepted by my dad and you yeah. know that was a lot to do with my feelings and what I was trying to deal with. And I think, you know, that probably affected the way I feel about other people and their perception of me and yeah. trying to make other people happy all the time and stuff, you know. But I don't think that's a bad thing actually. I mean, well, it's fucking exhausting sometimes. Maybe.
0: <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I have a similar thing. Being I think, constantly, to, you know, trying to
1: be positive all the time.
0: Yeah, that is the role that you, you sort of take within. Yeah. things But I mean, I think it's one that you get a lot out of as well. I, as it makes
1: me feel good, better. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: and that's something you share with your mum. Yeah.
1: It also means when I I'm say. in a bad mood, it Fucking
0: everybody knows it, you know. Yeah, and it I makes have, it
1: hard for other people. I have
0: that unfortunate quality of uh, when I'm in a bad mood, everybody knows that it. a grey cloud over the
1: house.
0: Yeah. I mean, I went to see some. I went to I went to see the theatre the other day, and I didn't like the show, and every, everybody <laughs> that was with me liked it. And like when oh. they came out, everyone was like coming up to me and saying, "What did you think of it?" And then they were like, "You hated it, didn't you?" And I didn't want to <laughs> say because I knew it was inappropriate, and everyone just knew I hated oh. it. And it's said, that "I can't." Hide, mm. and I think you know that's that's kind of what you're. I
1: think. Well, no, I think I can. Maybe you can at. actually. I think I don't know. probably I'm. I'm. You know, being superwoman or uh, She-Ra. <laughs> I don't know. I think you know probably playing a role, but it's it's a role that I mean. I think someone once said to me, if you're feeling sad, when you walk down the road, if you're feeling really unhappy, wherever you are, just try and physically smile. If you smile, it makes you feel happy. It makes you. It your body releases endorphins. Whatever. Yeah. And it's really true, and I think sometimes, you know, even if you are playing a role in a social situation, being a social butterfly, whatever, it can make you feel happy. Well, that smiling thing as well,
0: one of the things I've found about that, because I try that sometimes, I don't you know. um, It works for me. Well, it does, um, but what I like about it as well is if you smile at people, like strangers. Yeah, that's great.
1: There was this young young black boy walking down the road the other day, and I just think... You know, obviously everything that's gone on recently in London with the riots and all of those things and, you know, how how young people are perceived. And I was standing at a bus stop and this young boy came walking towards me, kind of a moody face on him. And I just grinned at him and he smiled, this huge oh, smile back. And it was such a nice vibe because I just thought, you know, you know I'm not threatened by you. You know I don't think you're going to mug me or, you know. And...
0: <sighs> just And just even on just on the...
1: On a, just personal a personal level, thing, yeah. connecting with this person, but also, he there was like a real look of surprise, like happy surprise, in his face that like yeah. I was smiling at. him
0: Well, I do that. I I deliberately Love smile that. at youths as well. Actually, mm. for the same, I do that. Groups, good, groups yeah, yeah, of them, yeah, yeah. like big
1: groups of youths who like actually could be quite intimidating if you let them, if you let if you you know let yourself feel that way because they're big yeah. and you know you, they're all looking really moody. But actually, if you smile at them, they either think you're mad or think you're really nice. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think it's important that people try and, you know, it's an old-fashioned thing, but, you know, saying good morning and all of that stuff, you know. I'm a firm believer in... In that. See, I'm, I'm, to...
0: I'm so, I'm so, I, I just flitter about. Like sometimes <laughs> I think that's great, and I do that. And other times I'm like, want to be in my bubble, and I don't want no, c- c- cool to connect to anyone. that's That's cool beings. too. Well, that's
1: what headphones are for. Yeah, you know, that's fine. But you know, I do think it's nice if. If you walk down the street, you know, to feel that people are generally sort of looking out for each other and smiling. Yeah, and totally. Shiny, happy people. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: thing that you were saying about She-Ra and uh, Spider-Man and yeah. Superman, you was, you told me off Mike, before we started yes, yeah. that that was something that your uncle said yeah. to you, who's an Australian. Well,
1: no, he's not Australian. Oh, right, but he, he lives in Australia. He lives in Australia. He moved to Australia when he was 18. I think he was 18 he's 60 odd now
0: and a lot of your fam- that side of your family mm. the side that i have because i mean you, you, your mum is my half sister t- yes. so technically you're my half niece so yes you, you, and i've never met that those people no, in australia no. and you spent quite a lot of time yeah, in well, australia my
1: grandparents moved out there when i was seven and my auntie who's no longer with us but she, she took me and my cousin and her and her husband took me and my cousin out there when we were no, what am I talking about? That's rubbish. That was the second trip. <laughs> the first trip, my dad took us. My dad took us out to see his brother when I was seven. And then my grandparents moved out when I was must have been older than seven, eight or nine. And that was when my, my cousins' parents, my auntie and uncle took. Yeah, I've done five trips.
0: And what's Australia like?
1: Well, as a kid, it was just, you know, amazing beach cousins to play with, you know, great fun, didn't really, you know pay much attention you know it was just a really fabulous hot because it's such a
0: beautiful place
1: yeah it is well I only did like we only went to the west yeah and when I was little we only went to Geraldton or Perth which was where the family were but um when I was 15 I went out for five weeks for the whole summer holiday for five weeks with my my grandparents who both now deceased my dad's mum and dad um and we did a trip from their house which was south of Perth right up to we didn't, we didn't get to the top, but we did a, a trip up and down the, the west coast. Pretty amazing. I mean, we saw some amazing things. We saw kind of... Uh, I walked in the water with wild dolphins, and we yeah, saw beaches made of entirely productive. of tiny, tiny white shells, you know. Poisonous snakes, uh, you know, mad mines, and all sorts of crazy, you know, termite hills taller than this room, and wow. crazy things. But there were also some really weird, weird negative places you know just sort of places you didn't get a good vibe about weird sort of towns like like something out of saw you know like sort of scary towns where people were a bit strange and a bit there was just there was just well there was just weird vibes there was there was one particular town that we drove through and i we stopped we were caravanning so you know we were sort of choosing where to stop along the way i mean they had a a map where they wanted to go and we had ideas where we were going to stop but you know a few places we just sort of stopped and stayed and we were supposed to be staying at a campsite in this town. I said to my grandmother, I just don't... I really don't like this place. I don't like the vibe. I don't... I was 15, I don't think I said I don't like the vibe. But I didn't want to stay. And I you know, this sounds really pretentious. It sounds like, oh, you know, ooh, I'm so in touch with the sort of spiritual thing. But um, apparently there had been some kind of terrible Aboriginal massacre there. Oh, God. <laughs> Or some, you know, some terrible atrocities had occurred. And it was you know, it just... It was just a really weird vibe. And my grandmother... She always thought she was very spiritual and you know, she thought she had dreams she pre- you know she thought she had premonitions about things, but yeah, it was a weird thing, and I genuinely felt a physical dislike of, of that particular town and there were i mean you know, there were a lot of racism, a lot of people who were very ignorant in in those kind of towns inland, yeah but then you a lot of amazing really, really you know lovely people as well, um, I know that certainly my cousin's had a lot of had to encounter a lot of uh, racism when they were at school and stuff. They were quarter caste Aboriginal because my uncle, much to my grandparents' disgust, I think, married a mixed race Aboriginal woman when he was. So he phoned them from Australia when he was like twenty and said, "You know, I'm going to get married to this woman. And she's mixed race Aboriginal." They went, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> and he did. And I mean, they pretty much live off the land. You know, they. Uh, I think he hunts dingo and. Stuff for the local farmer, and they shoot their own, their own meat, and they keep keep farm animals. And they also foster Aboriginal children. They're emergency foster carers. So and there's a lot of problems within the Aboriginal community with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. They kind of take kids, babies, and you know, ranging ages. When there's you know real, real problems, kind of emergency care. So oh, in the middle so of the night, they'll get a phone call and you know.
0: That's a really nice thing to do.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty hardcore. I mean, it's, they're not saints, you know, yeah. they're pretty fucking hardcore. But they but they are good people, people yeah. of the earth, you know. It really is very much like that. My uncle worked, I think he he drove around most of the time when he was working when he was younger. He he, he drove around for BT and fixed kind of communication lines all around the country, you know. So you'd go off trucking. <laughs> he's a big hairy bloke with a beard, you know, he's a proper Aussie. Yeah.
0: Dad.
1: He's great. I really liked him when I saw him last. And then the last time I saw them was when um, my grandfather had had a bypass. And my grandmother was very ill and couldn't care for him when he came out of the hospital. So I think it was the year before Jess was born. It must have been 2002, so I was an adult. I was 25, something like that. And my auntie, my great auntie, paid for me to go out there to care for my grandfather while he was recuperating after his operation. And they kept loads of chickens. And I really don't fucking like chickens. <laughs> well, actually, I, think I've, I don't I think fucking I've heard like you birds. I don't like birds. Chickens. I really don't like birds. But chickens... And so, like, one of my jobs... Because, obviously, he'd come back from the hospital. He's, you know, not really doing anything but I mean you know not doing anything to the point of being quite rude you know, but I'd cook him a beautiful dinner and put it in front of him and he wouldn't even thank me you know? so I was like the fucking scullery maid but on top of being a scullery maid for two weeks on my own in a house with two elderly people who needed 24 hour care I was looking after the fucking chickens <laughs> <laughs> and I say fucking chickens because they were little fuckers they, um, there was this one particular breed I had to go in there and collect eggs and uh, feed them um, but there was this one particular breed called Silkies. And they've got, like, they're big and sort of... Their feathers are very thin, so they look um, like a big pom-pom on legs. <laughs> and then on their feet, they've got these feathers as well. Um, and they're really aggressive. And I um, I got attacked by <laughs> these birds. <laughs> and uh I tried to kick him and he just carried on coming, you know. I mean, I just... Uh, I don't understand and I get it, eggs you know, and all that but why anyone would want to keep these particular breed of chickens <laughs> so yeah, it was that was fairly horrific so I went out there to do this and look after the chickens and look after the grandparents but my one bit of respite in that holiday was to, I got on a, a small plane and um, went up up the coast to see my uncle and his family and it was two days of heaven you know, just being with normal people and <laughs> driving around in his truck and it was a real eye-opener actually, I mean he was saying to me, you know in Terms of the racism and stuff like that, that they've encountered, I mean, it was less than a hundred years ago that well, I suppose it might be more than a hundred years now because we're a few years on from when he said it, but um, less than a hundred years ago that people were hunting Aboriginals for sport, you know. Yeah, that's I right. mean, it's a very fucking weird country, yeah, um, yeah and it's very young in terms of its uh, culture, but I do think that the world is developing far quicker i mean i remember when i was a child going over there and they they didn't have the same chart music as us and me thinking it, they were really behind you know they had this behind <laughs> chart music but of course now we've got the internet that doesn't happen anymore literally you know we're all listening to the same thing worldwide yeah that's true um so yeah that's can get it, access it had changed to stuff, can't they, as yeah. well, like
0: kids can find Access to different yeah. ways of thinking than their parents yeah, are bringing exactly. them up with as well. Yeah. So there is that yeah. element to it for good definitely. or ill. You know, no, so, but it had changed. What I'm
1: much saying much. is, like, um, it had changed definitely in the period when I went when I was 15, when I was 10 years to 25.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense.
1: But they were still kind of ignorant people. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> no, I'm not saying all Australians are ignorant. but no, no. oh, you know, At all. But your
0: experience was my you know, experience was like there that. were
1: there were pockets that there were pockets and I'm sure it's the same of same, the states same in
0: deep and, and I tell you what it's the same in England yeah, exactly. it is the same in England and
1: there are pockets I mean you know places in Cornwall where you find people who yep. are properly like that there are, there are places all yeah, around the yeah, UK yeah. That and like I'm that. Like, I
0: mean that, that's really interesting to know really because all I sort of knew about your experiences of Australia was the fact that you sort of swam with dolphins and had, saw all these amazing yeah. things which and I was, it was like, a, yeah, wow I, I wish I'd seen yeah I did things. have a
1: really good time I mean having said that when you're 15 five weeks with two elderly relatives no matter where you are can get a little bit, and I, I remember that, I, yeah, I was reading, exactly. I was reading uh, Ben Elton books. You know, I was kind of I just used to remember going going into the into the um, caravan and just wanting to be away from them because <laughs> 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 you know it's hard hardcore doing that when you're 15. Yeah, actually, so I remember I mean, it is. was great on one level, and I'm, what an amazing experience and all of those things. In other ways, it was hard work. You know,
0: but in, in a way, I mean, it's good to have experiences that have mixed mixed of these two kind yeah. of things because that's that's true isn't it that's what yeah. that's what the words and are.
1: actually that was the summer before I met Jess Green oh. I came back I think I was I came back from that holiday and it was that kind of autumn that I hooked up with her again and became friends and that whole
0: scene friendship, the whole
1: scene started yeah wow. yeah
0: and that's really good well the last question that I ask people is just um, do you have anything that you'd like to plug and People yeah. But people interpret that in lots of different ways. Uh so <laughs>
1: my two old mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no not that's, many jokes <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but I mean some I mean obviously some people have got things that they wanna promote, but other people they just sort of say a kind of final thought or a kind of thing they'd like to say to people. So um, Eric Davison said no he's, not, he's got nothing to plug so we've had all, well, all, all the, apps, all the
1: positivity you know I just think I guess the cup is half full you know try and as long as I mean I think your dad taught me that yeah, you know, taught me try that. and look at life like be a realist you know but also be romantic with it you
0: know yeah well that's a great that's a great plug I love that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you the go. Real, romance, and romance, reality, and, and positivity. There you Fantastic.
0: go. Fantastic. <laughs> well, it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you, you Sonia. Yeah. The last thing I ask people to do is, uh, well, ask them if they want to say. Would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Goodbye,
1: audience. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye.
0: <laughs> you can find getting better acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, it's Getting Better Acquainted, have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. I'm going to throw a few more plugs for things that I do at you. So if you're interested in hearing about masculinity and what patriarchy does to men and to all people then you might be interested in my solo show what about the men mansplaining masculinity which you can listen to for free as a podcast and you can also read the survey of a thousand men's opinions about patriarchy and masculinity that i put together you can find all of that stuff over on mansplaining or you can look for stand-up tragedy on itunes and listen to the most recent podcast, which is a full version of that show. If you're interested in reading about me and my dad and our relationship and dementia and memory and time and history and politics and love and friendship, and again, a little bit about masculinity, then check out my essay series, Down to a Sunless Sea, Memories of My Dad do please check out the family tree season two is going to some really interesting places and we've worked out a plot for season three which again is going to take it to some amazing places so please do check out the show at thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk but also consider becoming a patron and contributing to our Patreon campaign and helping us to make the show because it does cost money to make the show it certainly costs a lot of time to make the show and we could really do with your support and even if you don't listen to The Family Tree consider becoming a patron to The Family Tree because if you listen to Getting Better Acquainted and you like what I do with this show then A way that you can give something back to me for all of the free content that I've given to you over the years is to support the family tree and help that show to grow.